0: It was very recent where I remembered when my paternal grandmother died and we were at the graveyard and I was crying. She was gone. At that moment, my father came to me and whispered very softly to me, pull yourself together. When you're older and you really think about it, you you recognize how we've grown to or socialized to Keep our emotions to ourselves.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to the final episode of the Open Book Podcast series, where we bring you fascinating and important conversations between local and international authors. I'm Fasti Collins. In this episode, Koketso Sachane speaks to Professor Malose Langa and Malusi Chavalala about masculinity in South Africa. Mulose Lange is a practicing psychologist whose recent book, Becoming Men, follows 32 boys from the township Alexandra in Johannesburg over a period of 12 years. This book explores the difficulties of negotiating manhood and masculinity in this country. Mulusi Chabalala's most recent book is Magenge, We Need to Talk, Conversations with Black Men, and is based on a series of conversations Mulusi has been having with his male friends and is a call to men to open up to each other and to listen more. This discussion is chaired by Koketsu Suchane, who is, among other things, a broadcaster and journalist. In 2018, Koketsu co-hosted a series called Cape Talk Dads, which was a series of conversations about masculinity and fatherhood. This is also a conversation about masculinity and fatherhood between three fathers who are actively grappling with the system that we all find ourselves in and figuring out what needs to change. Here's their conversation.
0: Good day to you. Thank you very much for joining us on yet another podcast um, as part of the Open Book Festival. My name is Koke Zosachane and I am honored uh, to have been invited to be part of this very important discussion. What we are going to be discussing for this episode is the question around masculinity and I've got two gentlemen who have delved deep on the subject matter, both on a work level and on a personal level. Gents, thank you very much for making time to be part of this um, conversation, and we appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for having us. I think I would like to start with yourself, Malose, on, on your book, Becoming Men. It. You take us on quite a journey in, in the work that, that you have done over a couple of years engaging with young men in the township of Alexander. If you could just share with us the the importance of the work and how the, the journey has been.
2: Uh, thanks, Kokizu, for having me and my greetings formally to Melusi. Greetings, the brother. Um, the book echoes... Melusi, you know, to say, my gang let's talk. Because basically in the book, it's about what does it mean to be a young man. And there's been a dominant narrative on how black men in general get spoken about. Mm. And obviously we can't negate the issue of race. And it's a worldwide phenomenon. Even if you go to the favelas in in, in Bra- Brazil, which is same as like informal settlements or townships, young black men are represented as as violent, unruly, defiant, aggressive. You know all all the negative things that you can think of. They get associated with no young men. So in the in the book, and and I guess how this started as a as a young psychologist, as far as 2007 working in one of the correctional centers and you're there to rehabilitate young men that are saving sentences. And I felt hmm. already the damage has been done, you know. And that's where the journey, in a real, real sense, started. Being in this prison cell, being surrounded by so many young <laughs> black men, you know. And, and I was like, I- is this the way to be in the world? And of course, that's where the journey uh, started to say, what, what does it mean to be a young black boy at that time? Because now these participants are young men. And then I give them disposable cameras. It's not like I had an instruction to say, I'm looking for this kind of like no, boys. Um, and, and obviously, mm. I mean, to yeah. unpack the content and I guess like, no, some, of, some of the stories.
0: What I appreciate about what you've said, um, Malusi, which, which ties me to, to yourself, uh, Malusi. Yeah, well. Is um, the the fact that it, it started at a particular place, and then there was a need to find out how did we get here, and with with yourself, Melusi, in your book, I, and I must admit, it it starts so hectically for me, and it's triggering. I must admit, your your your, your book is is. It's quite triggering for me on on multiple levels, and I'm looking forward to just exploring a couple of areas of your book. But but to tie it with what Malusi was saying, and in in you sharing with us what your book is about, you, you start at a particular place where there's drama that happens in your life, and then you have to go through the process of understanding How did we get here? And also the reason or rather the input of your friends in that moment and having to just take stock of how we view the world. Just take us through uh, what led to the the book, Mark we need to talk.
3: Look, you know, as Professor Langa wrote about the the kind of masculinities that are shaped by by life in the township, you know, I, I could relate to that. And I suppose me and, and a few of my friends and, and the men who were young men and eventually grew to older men, we we had fallen into the uh, sex charo, zotsi uh, type, mm. right? And and that comes with its own challenges and, and then the sort of life that you set yourself up for. Yeah. So you, you, you might, you know, a lot of us went ahead when we got careers, we started families, but those young men that we were, impacted on the adults Mm -hmm. that we became, right? Because you you don't turn 23 and that stuff goes away, Mm. you know? And so for me, when I looked around, I looked at my friends and, and others that we associate with, and I saw people whose lives are in a lot of chaos, right? Because there's the struggle of trying to be a family man, of trying to be a businessman, Of trying to be an executive, but there's this little panzula, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. who keeps disturbing (laughs) you. You know, there's this. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You know, and try as you might, he's there, you know. And so, and I said, hey man, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to have been given this gift of of writing. And at the time, I had just gone through trauma with the collapse of of my marriage. Mm and what i was looking at is this narrative around black men being really thrashed in the media and social media and all of those things but that that also forced me to really take an honest look and say look you know we are getting thrashed and a lot of the stuff is true and is real yes as much as there are reasons for it to exist we also need to sit and talk to each other and say, sometimes, hey, young And also I looked at it even beyond just black men though, for me. it's like South Africa, a lot of our socializations, even though they're different, are quite terrible. White people have their own issues, right? Women have their own issues. But, I mean, the people that I know how to talk to, cause those are the people I spent all my life with, those are the people that I've grown with, about mm. mm. So I was gonna write a book that celebrates friendship, and would be uplifting during this time when we are just taking such a thrashing. And then, but when I looked, I said, no, let me write a slightly different book. Mm. Let me just say to our future, you know, why are we here, mm. right? Why can't we have deeper conversations? So I don't have solutions, you know, I, I have suggestions and, and, and observations. But the thing that I am promoting is us really being honest with ourselves and, and doing the work yeah. and also the other thing that i realized uh, is that there is very little empathy for the black men right now everyone who's talking to us is shouting mm. you know we are trash we are this we are that so what that does is people just shut down and are not listening because it's become adversarial mm. right so me now i said let me contribute my voice coming from a place of empathy and kinship mm because I understand about fair too. And, 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 you know, social media also played a huge role because when I looked at interactions, I could see men really not grasping what people are saying.
0: Yeah.
3: You know, when, when you want to tell me about male privilege, what are you talking about? I'm unemployed, yeah. you know. And 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 so for me, and, and that's why I also resonated with the work of, uh, of Professor Malose Lam, because it goes deeper to how did we arrive here. Yeah. But for me, it's, let's not then make excuses about how we arrived here. Yeah. We need to do the work to fix us. You know, we've arrived here, not now.
0: Yeah, on that, uh, Malose, the, the journey that you've walked with these young men, I mean, it was a, a period of what, 12, 12 years? You, you, took, you, you engaged with them from when they were still in, in school to the young men that they are now. And that in itself uh, means that you've built these relationships with these young men, or they themselves as a collective, where you've spoken to them as a collective, you've also spoken to them as individuals, which ties into what Malusi is talking about in being able to talk honestly, but also what emerges from those discussions. What have you found to have been the the type of conversations had or the level of honesty of the conversations from the time that there were young men, uh, that were the young boys at school to the young men that there are today?
2: Yeah, okay. so, I mean, I guess the bottom line is the fact that and they are no safe spaces. And obviously, many of us put a, put on mm. a mask because when I look at my First interviews with this like, you no know, boys. When I when I met them, all of them were uh, given the space that we we're in. I would say they were wearing masks, hmm. and the masks that they were wearing was that of being smart, clever, you know. Ba, hmm. ba, basically, is that you need to show how how clever you are. Hmm. But when you go behind the mask, when the mask is removed, the real person comes out. And I guess for me, with what is happening like you now currently, where it is like uh, men need to change. It is as if it's something that can happen overnight.
3: Hmm.
2: And and that perception, it, it negates the view that I mean a human subject is quite complex. Each day is a new day. Hmm. And obviously I mean I'm writing as a psychologist and to say daily you go through all kinds of feelings and emotions. Mm. You may feel better today. The next day you may feel different. The day after will be sort of like not different. But we have been put in a box that you ought to be this and you ought to be this. But that box comes at a cost, a cost that you're not able to get connected with your own humanity. So basically what I'm saying in the book is that the whole notion of manhood dehumanizes the men in general. Mm. So for black men it's even worse. Mm. You know, because then culture gets thrown in. I mean all this ethnic sort of like you no know, categories, I mean they have their own sort of like you no know, history. But I guess for the sake of this conversation I'll, I'll use them. You know, to say you're a Zulu you are this and you ought to be you ought to be like this. Mm. But there's a price that we pay You know, if I go to what Melus is saying, like, let's say about lifestyle, you know, eating healthy for an example. Because even now in the Mm. space that we're in about COVID-19, where obviously it's like, if you have underlying health problems, it's a lot of men, I mean, statistically, with the stats that I checked, that are dying. And obviously, I mean, because we have all these underlying conditions and many of these are related to our lifestyle. So for me, is that, we need to invest in making sure. And the problem that I have with some of the programs is that they're once off, you know, very soon there'll be 16 days of activism. So for that 16 days, there'll be so much talk, you know, uh, August has passed and and I know it's was like, you know, extremely, extremely busy. And when September came, I could feel like the conversations immediately sort of like no change. And believe me, these conversations need to be continuous. And then the other thing, they need to be non-judgmental, Yeah. where you allow people to express their own views without passing any judgment. And people shall reflect and reflect. And I agree with what Melusi said to say, I mean, there's no empathy in many of these conversations. And I think that's the major sort of like no problem. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I find that um, in both your, your books and also... Um, I've had the pleasure of having engaged on radio, where I had a, a weekly feature myself, and I'm sure you, you both know Professor Kopano Radele and Mbwisoro Um where we, we spoke about these matters on a, on a weekly basis. And I found it to be that that safe space where there is no judgment, but also it's important to, to have these conversations that are really hard. And what I learned through that process is the need for us to almost redefine within ourselves what it means to be a man, uh, taking stock of, of our past, taking stock of how we were raised, uh, of our socialization, and how that has impacted on the people that we are today. And I want to, I want to just come back to you, Melusi, um, in in, in talking about the safe space, in talking about the the collective of men that we have around us or the collective of men that we are speaking to right now uh, through the book, through this conversation, the support structure that exists. One of the things that I find fascinating and I can relate so much. Uh, You you did mention your book starts with the the, the traumatic experience that you lived um, in your marriage falling apart. But there's something about the group of friends that you have. You share in the book the WhatsApp group exchanges uh, when you told them what is going on. And I remember laughing but also at the same time I was in so much pain because I saw my friends. I saw the group the type of conversations that that we have and there is that brutality funniness but also honesty in how you talk to each other let's talk about the importance of that type of circle if you will So, so i mean for me with those guys you know
3: we've all kind of now hit our 40s and we had been very reckless young men in our 20s and 30s right and we've started now going ever to, you know, um, and, and one of the conversations that, that we had, mm. and, and and this conversation led to the kind of friendship we have now, where the one guy said, you know, let's fix our children or let's raise our sons better. And, and somebody said, no guys, you know, we still have a long way to go ourselves living on this earth. We need to start with, with ourselves. And that's where, you know, we started, Opening up, yeah. you know, when you're saying, you know, I really regret ever taking drugs, you know, and, and another one saying, yeah, I took drugs because I thought you were cool and you were taking drugs. And the other one says, no, but I took drugs because you were taking drugs, right? And <laughs> and from there, we started opening up about our challenges that we we're facing. And that's when I had said to them, the managers, going forward, I really want a different life for myself i'm really not happy with the sort of anxieties that i live with and i can see that a lot of the anxieties that i live with uh hmm. from what i had defined as manhood the things that i've been getting myself in and out of for two decades i am tired right so when they then said "I'm they said I, I i i want to this the, the collapse of my marriage is an opportunity for me to start building that life, that's where they were coming from. Where I'd said to them, I don't want this anymore. I, I really do not like being under so much strain mm. purely because of my decision making. I need to relook my life. And so yeah. while they were mocking me, because that's how we talk, you know, it helped me to realize that they had listened mm. when they then said to me, Now, this is the opportunity to build that life that you said you want to build, you know. And, and if I had never told them, that I'm unhappy with my current life they would mm. not have been able to support me and say what they said and for me so when i say we need to talk i'm saying when we're talking people know what our struggles are and they are able to come through for us but when you are just always a hero you know when i'm telling and, no one knows how to help you so
0: that you even need help yeah yeah i, I want to stay with you on that because also Again, I'm going to keep making reference to Copano and Buselo because they're so important in my life, in the journey that I've walked with them. And part of the conversation, not only about just manhood, but also about yeah. being fathers. And you go to a place in, in your book, Melusi, where, where you talk about your child stepping in, and letting your mother know that there's a problem here. Yeah, man. Right? And that speaks to... Yourself as a father, in in having raised the child that you have, but also the relationship that you have with your child to have that concern and in turn the relationship and access that your child has to your mother to say, hey, there's a problem with timer. Let's talk about that, the importance of that.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, it it obviously was a, a big shock for me when I got that phone call from my mother, you know, to say my son had called her to say, hey, daddy is is slowly killing himself it was a shock and and an embarrassment it should always be the other way around you know me concerned about my son not him worried about me but yes it also showed that we've got a loving relationship between he and i you know he can see that his, his father is in pain he can see that his father is damaging himself and also to have the confidence to not fear that there will be repercussions if he went and, and informed my mother yeah. that I'm not the kind of man who then say, why would you do such a thing, you know? And then beat him or, or ostracize him. And the reason I write about that thing uh, in, in, in the book in, in its entirety is for me, I couldn't say we need to talk and, and, and play the hero. You know, mm. for me is to say hey, <laughs> but just for you. Nima for all of us, you know, so yeah, we're all in trouble, we're all in trouble. And I start the book at my lowest point. Hmm. You know, your lowest point might be something else. It's not all the same. But for me, that was my lowest point. And so I say the man talking to you right now in this book is not some hero, you know, is not some Superman. And 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 also that thing that happened to me, the collapse of my marriage, the way it did with the sort of of, of manhood or how I understand manhood to be. You know, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone. And you know, where I come from, that stuff is followed by very swift violence, mm. right? And, and then you've seen lives end over this thing. Mm. And and I speak about this because what I know, you know, without being a psychologist or any sort of expert, is that there are men who'd rather be killers than you know what I mean? and so to say you know what this thing happens in fate yeah and you need to live with it and you need to go forward it doesn't change who you are as a man and and we need to stop um attaching our manhood to things that are actually outside of our control as well
0: yeah yeah and then and that's the thing um you know uh, melusi that also comes across in the conversations with uh, the, the young men over the years what they attach to what makes a man on the one hand, but also at the same time, what Melusi touched on, the the violence that comes with it. These young men who, at a particular time, thought it normal to be violent within the sex act. It was part and parcel of what you do if she doesn't want it. You can take it. Type of uh, mentality and and logic that needs to be unlearned.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I fully agree, and you you can see that the whole notion of being a male person that that's not with the example that you just gave, and and I guess also what Melusi M- touched on. I mean, everyone becomes like an affected, and in this case, if if I talk about relationships with women or relationships with, with girls and you talk to Namajit. Mm. One of the and, and I touched this in the in the book, you know, to say why do we feel the need to have like no multiple multiple girlfriends or even women in our lives? And I say at the heart of it, they, there's a lot of fear.
3: Mm.
2: And fear that Amajita that normally do not do not talk about. Okay? And, and obviously, this, this fear, I analyze it in my other writings, you know, to say, it is also at the heart of femicide, you know, where mm. if mm. a person, especially if it's a female person, ends the relationship, you feel that my sense of no manhood has been affected. And I like the way Melus begins, like his book, and even the phone call from Amajit, you know, to say, we hear of this in the news, is it, is it you? You know, of like, no, someone who has, you know, killed, Hmm. you know, his partner. And I'm of the view to say, in fact, this is the subject that we need to unpack, you know, because a lot of guys is like around, I I can't imagine, I can't imagine, you know, my girlfriend leaving me, but it is fine for me to leave my girlfriend. I can't imagine my girlfriend, you know, cheating on me, but it is fine for me to cheat on my girlfriend. Hmm. Hmm. But the, the fear here, it's about having to deal with a loss having to deal with humiliation, having to deal with shame, having to deal with the sense of emasculation. And these are things that we want to try and avoid at all costs. So if we're to help boys and men to realize that they're also emotional subjects, a relationship ends, obviously you're going to feel sad, obviously you have to bargain with this, obviously you're going to get depressed. But in fact, there are ways in which we can deal with you know, some of those feelings so for me at the end is the issue of mental health mm, mm. and manhood yeah and we, we never when we talk about mental health more often we have a picture of women and girls we don't have a picture of mental health and men mm. and i'm of the view to say in south africa despite of our many 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 challenges if we are to invest on mental health of men mental health of boys many problems are going to be resolved.
0: Mm, mm. I, I want to just allow you to reflect on that, Melusi, um, and also reminding you of something that, 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 that is contained in your book that, that shocked me, but I knew it was so real. Wait, you speak of how, if, for those who, who remember the whole Jada Pinkett, Will Smith entanglement, and somebody saying that if that was in South Africa, Jada Pinkett would have been killed. And, it, and it, it it touches on what Malus is saying about the response to a man either being cheated on or a woman leaving a man. In in a number of cases, the result would be violence. How dare you leave me? How dare you do that to me?
3: Yeah, and and a lot of guys when we are sitting talking about this uh, Jada thing, you know and. And even people who would seem like level-headed human beings, you know, in, in passing and casual, would say, "I mean, I'll share you know, Yeah,
0: disrespectful.
3: Yeah, and 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 the thing about it is that even though those men might not do the killing, what, these sort of statements embolden those who have the inclination to do that. Right. So I might say, "I mean, i but I'm not maybe wired that way. But those who are sitting across the table, Mm. you know, now feels, oh, this is a normal thing. Yeah. You know, and and I think for me, that's that's the thing, when when we normalize nonsense. You know, that's also part of the reason, a, a while back in my life, I said, I no longer spend time with gangsters, because we are normalizing nonsense as a society. Right. So even though I am not a gangster, the fact that I have gangster friends tells them that what they're doing is fine.
0: Yeah.
3: Because society accepts that.
0: Silence is complicity.
3: Exactly. You know, or 2 hey, we will speak about as if that's a good thing, because his reactions are always wild and violent. Mm. You know, versus to say, hey, Usbuda needs help. You know, Usbuda needs to go talk to someone about his mental health. You know, yeah. and, and, and I fully agree, you know, Professor Malusi, is that there's a, for me, it starts there. You know, we need programs that deal with mental health for men.
0: Hmm.
3: Because we're under a lot of strain. I mean, a lot of strain, you know, women will say, or or others will say, yeah, but men created these conditions and now men are complaining about them. No, we didn't. We're part of a system that we found here, Hmm. right? Hmm. And and that system is taking its toll on us. It really is, you know, these definitions of manhood are hard work. Hmm. And too many of us are too scared to say, I'm in a chance, I'm checking out this manhood thing. I'm food. I will map my own path so that I have peace of mind and just I don't lose my mind, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The system that we were raised in, and I mean, um, Malose, with the, the work that you do, the work in prisons. I found it you know interesting it's almost like coming back full circle because some of the, or one of the young men that you've walked this journey with ends up in prison. And, and I find that so fascinating, because also there isn't a, a need to to just spend a bit of time on that case, that situation, to to understand the, the type of conversation that you have with him at that moment in his life. When you've walked this journey with him,
2: listen. I had a conversation. We meet him for the first time on this platform, but I think as a way of like, you no, know, connecting with the point that you made when you said, um, and I want to read like, you know, being a family man, being a businessman, but also there's this little like, you know, pansula in you. Mm. It talks about the repeating what I said, the intricacies of being a human being with me and and these are struggles that you negotiate so coming back to this young man i met him when he was 11 hmm. and in retrospect i used to brag about him hmm. to say he was one of the best boys that i've ever met you know in this township very smart very clever and did very well at school until he completed my trick hmm. And it's about the system. Obviously, completed matric, and I remember very well. And then now it's like I need to go to varsity, and it's prior Fismas four 4. Mm. And entering to university was a nightmare. Even if you, you, you're you going to get enough sales, you, you needed to have a huge amount of money for, for the deposit. Of course, you was not able to get to any university. The frustration started kicking in and kicking in and kicking in. You have passed matric, and you have nothing to do.
0: Mm.
2: So you 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 live in this like no space where this is what you hear daily, and I and I remember I used to talk about how conflicted he feels, you know, saying he knows that this is not the world that he want he wants to live in. He has this dream, but this dream is slowly becoming elusive. Obviously, I mean, in the book I don't detailed where he started having these conversations with himself now in in prison, right? And he says, look. Those voices of being a dirty boy got strong and strong and strong and strong. But what is nice about him, he says, I cannot blame anyone.
0: Hmm.
2: I take hmm. a full responsibility of my actions. So hence in that chapter, he's yeah. sort of like
0: yeah.
2: I'm still yeah. hopeful, you know. And 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 then you can see what he's busy doing. I mean, obviously, I still. I mean, I've had a meeting with him last week. He's doing third year now of LLB and will be coming out a rousseau. Nice. And he says. I still rely heavily on our conversations. He has all the transcripts of our conversations, and he—I mean—he's been reading them. So at the end of the day, what you see is about all these like no contradictions that publicly you can be this, you can be this businessman, and we see this a lot where you'll be known to be this good person publicly, but then privately, when you get home, you are something else. You know, so the private and the public, at times are in conflict. And hence Malice is saying what we need to do is to be allowed, you know, to, to mm. show that look, this is who I am. And I like what he said like around a peace of mind. A peace of mind for yeah. me amounts to like no, almost like no, everything. Because we are under so okay. much pressure as men, especially black middle class men. There's a paper that I'm busy writing now where I link this whole notion of corruption and masculinities. You need to have a lot of money. You need to have so many cars. You need to have this and, you know, Mm. and nothing is ever enough. And you, you don't have a peace of mind. So... I'll sit with Melusi and watch K's Chiefs, though I'm a pirate's, like, no support. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the only conflict that we'll have about it.
0: I'm sorry. You're at a disadvantage there. Apologies, brother. <laughs> no, you know, peace of mind. Wow. Fascinating that whether it's an idea or an aspiration or even, you know, something that one deserves. Um, And, and on that, um, you you yourself, Malusi, you've mentioned... Fear a couple of times in this conversation, and and I want I want to stay with that because as as I was immersing myself in in your book Melusi, I found myself uncomfortable at the level of honesty that you speak, and the reason why I am uncomfortable with it, or found myself uncomfortable with it, is that I'm going through my own journey in writing a book, but there are certain experiences that I have lived that make it hard for me to go there because of the pain that it carries. And also it's a pain that's collected to other people close to me. And so I, I carry that fear. Which has, honestly speaking, and I hope my publisher is not listening, <laughs> which, 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 has, <laughs> which <laughs> has led to a certain block in my writing process. Because I don't know how. Because it's, it's my story, but my story involves very important people in my life. And I can't go there with it. And there's a fear that I carry. Yeah. So let's talk about fear and the psychology of fear. Or maybe even the, and I, I, would, I would put the words in your mouth, uh, Melusi, the power of going to the fear and writing about the pain that comes from the fear.
3: So for me, it, it, you know, I was speaking about you as, as we grow, that little panzola doesn't go away. So in writing this book, he's the very same again. I'm writing mm. my truth, me. So it's that same uh, street inkani that led me to write with this honesty. But also, when I looked at it, I said, you know, I have gone, now I'm writing this book. I am claiming to, I really want to work with men in one way or another. You know, I I have to be open and honest. I have to be, you know, this thing is bigger than me. I mean the the I'm, I'm still fearful of 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 the shame that there might be a backlash around the affair yeah, my wife you know but i'm like as in i'm one man uh, i'm ready for this but if my book and my honesty can touch two other men who will then go and touch two other men in mm. grand you know so the fear is there you know every day i go you know, so yeah, it, it is there. And and the fear of being ridiculed mm. as a man, you know. But I, I am looking at, at the bigger picture and my purpose mm. in this life. Mm. And I feel like I've, I've lived so that I can share with others my experiences and help them, maybe avoid them, you know. Or maybe when they're faced with them, they know what they are. They're not the only ones. Mm. And it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to deal with shame. It's okay. It's life. No one has to die. No one has to bleed because you're having a bad time.
0: Malusi, the psychology of fear and how it manifests? Uh,
3: I mean, obviously, fear is a
2: normal feeling. I mean, it's a normal feeling that all of us need to feel and experience. But the unfortunate part, remember, gender is is, is an artificial identity, but Mm. it it is so real. It is so real that it says no, 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 sissy stuff. You, you cannot cry. In I can, and 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 then as a result of that, the only feeling that you are allowed to express is that of angfunamasin.
0: Yeah,
2: that is only what you are allowed to express. in yeah. nonsense. Because if now okay, so it will start like being very emotional and then crying all of you do not know how to react to that
0: yeah yeah what do, what what do you do hey, 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 man come on malusi
2: you all want to look away and and, and <laughs> sort of like my yeah. you know because ah, come on i'll mm. you know so it's, it's it's something the the only time we we can cry you know mm. we'll cry when pirates mm. loses it's it's acceptable mm. it's within that realm but immediately <laughs> when it is out of that space, you cannot, you know, you, I, we can't even hug you. Mm. We can't even hold your hands. Then you can imagine, mm. I mean, the, the burden that we carry. I mean, it's in addition to so many other things mm. that we need to be mm. dealing with.
3: Mm.
2: It is unimaginable. You know, it's it's hard. And, and hence, once you are liberated, you... You enjoy the freedom, the freedom of being free. You know, to say, I I release this joke. I feel so light, and I feel so free, and you become a, a better person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Recently, I speaking of the ability or not, or being allowed or not to cry. Um, it was very recent where I remembered. I was in my early 20s when my paternal grandmother died. And we were at the graveyard. The coffin was being lowered into the ground. And this is the grandmother that I grew up with. Same guy, see, at My mother is from Bumalanga, so my grandparents on my mother's side were in um, Ladenburg. And this is the grandmother that I grew up with. Um, and I was crying. She was gone. At that moment, my father came to me and whispered very softly to me, pull yourself together. And I I remember this recently and I thought to myself, wow, you know, obviously, I think I remember at the time looking at him thinking, but it's your mother who died. Why are you not crying? But then... When you're older and you really think about it, you, you recognize how we've grown to or socialized to keep our emotions to ourselves. And, and because that is how we were raised, we also put that on our sons. Because he didn't go to my sister who was crying. He came to me. I've got two older brothers. I don't know if they were crying, but he came to me because I was crying at the time and he told me to stop. <laughs> Melusi, your thoughts, on, your thoughts on, on that. How are you raising your, your son when it comes to emotions?
3: Okay. So first I'm going to tell you something linked to what you said, your father said to you when you were crying. You know? So I grew up with a dad and a part of me is glad because I don't know what that man would have brought into my life you know, a, a black man of that generation. So yes, I wished I'd had a, a dad in my life, but at the same time, I'm glad I didn't. And also, even as a kid, I would look at some of the boys in the neighborhood hmm. who had fathers and the strange relationships that they had with them, you know? And I was like, no, he hasn't grand with just And in fact, when I did eventually meet my father after 30 something years- Oh, wow. After I interacted with him, I went and I gave my mother a hug and I said, I thank you for walking away, you know, the fact that this man was not in my life is a blessing from God, you know, Hmm. some some really run-down township, Hmm. and I couldn't imagine how I would have escaped that life, you know, if, if, if he and the things that he believes in had been part of my world, right? But... Getting to to my son, you know, and 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 I love it, you know. I look at him and I say, if we were teenagers at the same time, <laughs> just
0: just just to explain, the <laughs> we don't want to lose some people. <laughs> <laughs> explain what you just said for the people at the back. <laughs> No, i'm saying i i
3: look at my teenager the eldest one and i think if he and i were teenagers at the same time i was gonna mug him at school you know he, he he's that mm. sort of party, you know and but i love that you know that that he doesn't carry those toxic teenage boy traits he doesn't have them you know it, i mean he's got his own thing but and i think it's because we are not growing up in the same environment i grew up in the ghetto and he's growing up in the suburbs. So he doesn't have the same forces that shaped Mm. me, shaped him, right? It's it's a very different uh, dynamic. And also because I suppose of where I now am in my life, the sorts of conversations I have with them are are, are quite real. You know, I didn't have girlfriends. By girlfriends, I mean friends who are girls, Mm. right? My whole world was, was men, you know, boys, I'm out. I've always been that guy. And I see it, as an adult, I struggle with women whom I'm not in a romantic or familiar relationship with, right? Hmm. Like just to deal with a woman, just day to day, you know, I, I struggle. Um, I can never find myself saying, Hey, as in, I, I need a drink today. I'm going to go drink hmm. that is very foreign in my life. You know, if I, if I'm meeting with or it's because we have a project or we're trying to get romantic and do something but you would casual in there's no such. But then that also affects your relationships even in the workplace, where now as a manager or as an executive, you find that you have a better relationship with male staff members, which means you disadvantage the women that work in your organization because mm-hmm. you don't mentor them as much because you just don't know how to navigate them. So what I do with my son is I encourage him a lot to spend time with girls so that he has a, an understanding and a comfortability around them, mm. but also understands their world, where, where they exist, what their challenges are, because they are not the same as ours. You know, because if Oshalanamachi tells you, all you're going to think is like, ah, these ones are just complaining, you know, but if you get to understand them as human beings, as friends, you have a very different experience of life, even for yourself. Mm. And with my daughter, um, you know, I, I encourage her to be creative, to be you know, yeah, I encourage her to be creative, to be strong, to be an individual, you know, to not I even struggle sometimes when I see her wanting to to clean up after her brothers, you know, and that's that's her natural instinct. But if my fear is that she mustn't start thinking that's her job, right to clean up after men, right, you know. I don't know if it's her natural instinct because she's a girl, but it's her natural instinct as Mu'azani. But my thing is, I do not want my daughter growing up thinking her job is to serve men and boys.
0: That's one. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I think if you could, Malusi, reflecting on the same, the same question around how we raise our children, the role that we play as, as fathers, we come from a particular place, We've been ourselves have been raised in a particular way that has led to mm. what we've lived parts of the men that we are today, but we can also do things differently.
2: I'll I'll give two two answers I guess like um an in, an intellectual answer and a personal answer to that question, but also building up on mil, what Malusi said because obviously I guess the, there's also a, a dangerous uh, discourse that is like no image uh, which. I guess worries me a bit hmm. about fatherhood. You know, to say you need to have had a father, and slowly it is rendered like no compulsory. And it's a discourse that people can also use to make all kinds of like no excuses. And again, in the book, that's what you see that the many young, young, young boys that I met, and many of them obviously. Grew without fathers, and upon their reflections, like with what Melissa said, they like, hmm. Thanks God, I never had one. Because, in fact, I feel this is a blessing in disguise. Because there are fathers that cause you know so much harm and cause so much pain, and the pain that we reap later in our lives and the pain that we reap as a society so this discussion about fatherhood we need to discuss it with a lot of care and sensitivity Mm. so that there's a room to acknowledge that it does not mean that if you have not grown without a father then it's Mm. it's, it's the end of the road so obviously I i have two daughters and i guess one of the things that I always sort of like not think of in, in in retrospect when I when I think about this this work you know because at the end of the day we as men obviously mm. I mean we we in the forefront of perpetrating so much violence and obviously I mean the the fear is 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 that mm. fear and I guess it's the fear of any other man you know to say will my girl children grow up in a space or in Mm. a world that is free of violence and definitely there is no any other father would want to see a girl child Mm. being like a victim of any form of violence. Even with the same boys, when they were talking about Abu Machiri and everything, I remember one along the way became a father of a girl child and he was like, hey, Mm-hmm. Manja when I look back, I feel, I feel bad because I'll not want my girl child mm-hmm. to go through a similar sort of experience, you know, so, so slowly it's like around how do you begin to break, break the cycle and break the cycle? And again, when I compare, you know, I mean, I guess how many of us grew up with a young man that you meet who are like, you know, 12, 13, 14 I think we are making mm. progress, and it's a progress that we also need to celebrate. That not all is doom and gloom. The boys that are saying, "No, Daddy, Daddy, this is my my girlfriend. They're yeah. not girlfriend in a sexualized like yeah. Nomena. It's my female friend, and there's no ulterior motive, like you know altogether. And I guess some of us, given mm. how we grew up, it's it's a bit sort of like di- mm. disruptive. Mm. But we are making progress, and hence I'm saying these are like no things that we need to put to the fore. Because when you talk about school violence, they always show boys that that are carrying guns. They're always showing boys that are carrying abu okaapi. But they're also very sweet, gentle, respectful boys that are never spoken about altogether. And maybe it's because there's a lot of what I call social pornography when it comes to violence. It's like social Mm -hmm. pornography Mm -hmm. even when we talk about sex that we are not able to go beyond some of those negative depictions.
0: Gents, um, there are so many other areas that we definitely could cover and we could could sit here for a very long time. And maybe there might be even room at some point um, via the guys from uh, the, the book lounge and the Open Book Festival to have, have a continuation of this conversation. But where I want to conclude... Um, is, is ask the question around uh, and it ties into what we've, we've touched on already the, the space that the spaces that we need to create or expand to have these honest conversations um, both your books create the positive fodder to to continue the conversations um, but what else can we do if I can, uh, I'll stay with you, Malus. The responsibility that we have to continue the conversation, to create the spaces for these conversations to be had, even intergenerationally. Your reflections on that, Malus?
2: Yeah, de- de- definitely. I mean, just repeating what I what I said. I guess. As a, as a as a nation, we need to celebrate the, the strides that we are making. And since the publication of this book, I mean, I've been invited in, in so many forums, you know, to say, Majita out there are trying their level best. And where we are able to, like, you know, support them, let's, let's, let's support them, because there's not going to be any other person who's going to save us from our own self-destruction. So if you're a guy or if you're a male person, we need to think about the ripple effects of our influence. If you, Kwekwe or umelusi, I'm able to influence my son or two other guys that I'm with, with those like no honest honest conversations. It may be three people, mm. but that's what we need to invest on. Yeah. And in the next five to ten years, we'll begin to see the results of this work.
0: Yeah. Melusi to conclude your book and on the same question, your book is very much a call to action. Let let's let's conclude there with that further call to action. We we do need to talk. So I
3: think um, technology has a, a massive role in, in it to play in there. Um, you know, safe spaces do not have to be physical. You know, and, and for instance, I am in several WhatsApp groups of men, and, and those groups are about different things, right? Some are about men in business, some, it's fathers and but you know it's not necessarily groups about pirates being a useless team or anything like that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's you know the one group the most active one is 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 about fatherhood right i'm also in in facebook groups so what i'm saying is that technology plays a massive role And what what, what it allows us to do, particularly social media, is that you you get to tap into the minds and experiences of men that you don't even know. Men that you you would never even have met, you know. But also when you start sharing your own experiences Mm -hmm. and you open up, and then, you know, these strange Mm -hmm. men that you don't know start opening up as well. Saying, I've been carrying this burden, but, you know, I was scared to ever speak up about it to hear you speak up about it in fact, to give me hope, which is not me alone. So for me, I think technology has a massive, massive role to play in that. I mean, even with uh, the launch of this book, I, we are, I'm working with, with, with a couple mm-hmm. of psychologists, which we are going to launch an intelligent, uh, an emotional intelligence app. Right, So, so that wherever you are, you can do the exercises. You don't need to go see a psychologist you know, because maybe that is not a part of your world or maybe you can't afford it or you are somewhere remote and, and the app, uh, called G talk. G talk will be freely available to download by men all over uh, South Africa. And so while, while the programs in the app are quite generic, it's the language that makes it quite specific to South African men. The language is very similar to how I've written the book. But yeah, technology has a.
0: We really need to use technology to, to reach men. Gents, thank you very much. Um, I really hope that we can continue the conversation and uh, I want to enter some of those WhatsApp groups, Melusa. And also, Melus, don't, don't, don't leave me out when it comes to reflections on COVID 19. I might have writer's block at the moment, but there are some things that I can write about. <laughs> Gents, appreciate it. appreciate you for the work that you've done and what you've shared with us. Um, thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Thanks, thanks, and, and take care. All right, no, take care, my future.
0: Thank you, Professor Malusi, Langade as well as Melusi Shabalala. That's how we conclude. Yay.
1: This was our last episode in the 2020 Open Book Podcast Series. Thank you so much for coming along with us on this journey and listening with us. Though the series is now over, the episodes will be available on our websites and all major podcasting platforms indefinitely. So if you enjoyed an episode, please do share it with a friend. We would love to hear from you. Let us know if you found an episode entertaining or if it made you think or made you carry on a conversation that started on the podcast. You can get in touch with me. My email address is fasti at openbookfestival.co.za. That's V-A-S-T-I at openbookfestival.co.za or on any of our social media platforms. Thank you so much to everyone who participated in this series for the time and the patience with all the technical difficulties that come with remote recording and for giving us these incredible conversations that I have felt so privileged to listen to. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, the Heinrich Bull Foundation. The Heinrich Bull Foundation has been actively promoting the consolidation of democracy and human rights advancing gender equality, and taking action to prevent the destruction of the environment in Southern Africa since 1989. The Foundation's work in Southern Africa consists of four programs. Democracy and social justice, human rights and gender justice, sustainable development, and international politics and dialogue. A huge thank you to our phenomenal producer, Andre Burnett, who has brought all of her dedication and enormous skill to this project. As always, I'm Fasti Karlitz. Listening with you to the Open Book Podcast series.
0: I was in the man, but there was still no
1: way How was I to know that I was worse off Keeping you
2: around, that's why I go away Feeling how it ends, is just the worst part I was in the man, but
0: there was still no way How was I to know that I was worse off